a, a rhetorical question. And, and I say a rhetorical question. I want you to answer it, but I don't want you to sort of put your hand up or, you know, just, just answer this for yourself. Here's my, here's my rhetorical question that I want you to ask yourself. Do, do you have any insecurities? Do, do you have any thing or things that if you could, with your magic wand, wave it over yourself, you'd change? <clears throat> Asking that question and, and, and going through what's potentially a list of multiple answers, and not multiple choice, multiple items, is, is a reflection of how we think about ourselves, or it certainly reflects part of how we think about ourselves. And the reason I put that question out there and the reason that we're covering this topic this month is that how we think about ourselves, what we think about ourselves, what we think our, our potential is, what we think our inadequacies are, very much frames what we ultimately do. It, 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 it's a platform upon which our, our actions are based. And the trail of our lives, the pattern of our lives, the outcome of our lives is ultimately built upon the things that we do. The things that we do are ultimately built on how we think, particularly how we think about ourselves. Not just how we think about ourselves, but certainly it's one of the key determining factors, how we think about ourselves. And one of the things that many of us tend to do is we too often tend to focus on the limitations Focus on the insecurities. Focus on the things that we'd like to change. That, 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 that if, if we, you know, had the power, we would have done things differently to, to, to be the sort of people we are, to get to the place that we are. And what we're doing this month is rather than think primarily about who we think we are, we're taking this month to shine the spotlight on who God says we are. See, because God created us, and because God created us, he understands what our true identity is. He had a vision. He had a blueprint for when he created you and when he created me. And if we can tune into that pattern, we can tune into that vision, that blueprint, that will start to shape our actions. And then those actions, based on who God says we are, will ultimately form the pattern, the legacy, the outcome of our lives. Now, I've asked you to just quickly think about any insecurities you might have. I'm pretty sure we have about a 100% strike rate that all of us have got at least one thing on our list. And, um, and, and you might think that it's now my job to spend the next 25 minutes telling you how we shouldn't be thinking about those things and how, you know, don't think about the, the negatives and don't, don't think about the stuff that's wrong and don't think about the stuff that's bad. Like, that's my job, leading the church, you know, bringer of hope, all that sort of stuff. But I'm not gonna do that. In fact, what I wanna do right here, right now is remind each and every one of you that there is a lot of things wrong with you. That, that, that right now, yeah, you can giggle especially, Stewie. Right now... Nervous to giggle. One, right now, I want us to actually take a reality check. The reality check that there is a lot of things wrong with each and every one of us, myself included. And to pretend there isn't is to, is to be either very naive, 
very ignorant or just plain out lying to ourselves. Paul, who, who was one of the, the leaders of the early church, he wrote to a church in a place called Ephesus, which is mod, now in modern day Turkey. And he wrote to them with this reality check, this reminder of how things really are. He said to them, guys, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. This is not a man who was writing to that church to say, oh, there's nothing wrong, you know, pat, pat, stroke, stroke, it's all okay. He's, he's reminding them, guys, you were messed up. You had it so far wrong. You were so far away from true north, it wasn't funny. And there was a time in history where God did do away with a whole lot, except for Noah, his wife, and two of every kind of animal. And Paul's saying, I'm surprised God didn't do it again. We deserved it. And the reason this is critical for each of us to understand is, see, when I ask the question about do you have any insecurities, I'm pretty sure most of us gravitated to, to physical things when we thought of our list or, or, or status things when we thought of our list or material things when we thought of our list, you know, things that we wished we had or wished we didn't have or wished we had more of or wished we had less of or used to have but no longer have or used to not have but now have but wish we didn't have. And this list forms, right? You get all that, Stewie? This list forms. And Paul's saying, you know what? Guys, it doesn't matter how big your house is or how small your house is. It doesn't matter how flash your car is or how dumpy your car is. It doesn't matter how much Botox you've had or how much liposuction you've had. Every single one of us without Jesus, without Jesus was going to a eternity outside of a relationship with God. And he was writing to them saying, don't you ever forget that. Don't you ever think that the, the real prize in life is the bigger house, the, 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 the nicer complexion, the fancier car, the higher. He, he, don't, look, he wasn't poo-pooing those things, but this is a real recalibration. That's not the most important stuff. And if we think it is and forget where we've come from and what Jesus did, so he gave them a reality check. But thankfully, he didn't, leave it there because you know we we get this wrong sometimes you know, we, we 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 miss what's important so paul reminded them but then he didn't stop there he said instead of god and this is instead of god destroying the whole planet again with all of you flipping knuckleheads on it instead of that you know paul's saying if it was my choice that's what i would have done Immense in mercy and with incredible love, God embraced us. Wow. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. In fact, he did it all on his own with no help from us. Then 
He picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. We're gonna keep on looking at this this letter that Paul wrote to this church in Ephesus. But the reason we're doing it is there's there's a pattern here. There's a pattern here that every single one of us need to remember that we were far, far, far away from God. Our lives were being lived with our backs turned to God. And God, who could have taken that the wrong way, instead reached out to us and tapped us on the shoulder and said, hey, turn around, come follow me. There's a better way to do this. We didn't deserve it. And, 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 and Paul reminds us, and we don't get any credit for it. God did that all. He picked us up and he set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. A couple of weeks ago when we launched as Elevate Church, I shared some of the reasons why God had given me this name Elevate for, for our church. And one of them came from this image that uh, David wrote about. It's recorded in the Psalms and it, and it, and it reflects that exact same thing that Paul said, David wrote it this way, I waited and waited and waited for God. At last he looked and finally he listened. He lifted me up out of the ditch, pulled me from deep mud. He stood me up on a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. There's imagery here. This is, this is word pictures. This isn't, this isn't just poet, this is word pictures. This is, this is reminding us, and those of us who are visual people, get a, get, a, get a lock on this, get a visual on this. This is, this, is, this is David, and Paul has just said the very same thing. This is th- those two heavyweights reminding us of what God did. He reached down into the pit that we were in, helpless, stuck, covered in mud and filth and stench, and God, despite us not deserving it, despite us not having any ability to get out of that ourselves, in fact, because we had no ability to get out of there ourselves, he reached down and he picked us up and he elevated us. He put us in a new place. And I've been thinking about this. I keep thinking about this. I, and I think about this in light of my story. You know, I grew up in a, in a home of God-fearing uh, people, my parents, both uh, regular church goers and God-fearing people. I grew up with an awareness of God. Um, and here I am today leading a church, hopefully as someone who's, who's passionately following Jesus myself. Um, but my journey hasn't been linear. You know, I didn't go from the nice Christian boy in the nice Christian home to this linear trajectory to one day leading a church. Man alive, there's been a couple of patches of my life where, where I went, whatever the opposite to up is, I guess it's down, but I went down and I went down, you know, I don't do things by halves. And this is in confession time at uh, Elevate Church, but you know, my journey is not linear. And you, and you know what? And let me make a distinction. It's critical that I remember what my life was like in the ditch. It's, it's critical that I remember that. Now, let me make a distinction. The devil will want to remind me of that and rub my nose in it, okay? And, and remind me, oh, you're nothing. Remember when and all those things and the things you did. And the, you, remember that, remember that. And, 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 and God says, you know what? The very day, the very day, the very, in fact, the very split second 
that you acknowledge me as your Lord and Savior and you ask for my forgiveness. Not only do I forgive you, but I wipe the slate clean. I can't even remember the stuff that you did back there. So the devil remembers and God doesn't. And yet here I am saying that we need to remember, which sounds a bit contradictory, right? Because we're not meant to follow the devil's example. Any meeting I ever lead, if someone says they're the devil's advocate, I literally kick them out of the room. We don't need his advocacy here. We need the Holy Spirit advocate in this meeting. Just a word of warning. <laughs> so, so, so let me explain. I, uh, how do we reconcile that? You know, God forgets. He doesn't even, rem- he doesn't even remember. Hey, God, remember that? Huh? Oh, yeah, but when I was 17, hmm? The devil remembers and the devil tries to remind us, you know, we're not to remember it for that reason, to feel condemned, to, to be taken back to that place. And, 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 and we're to remember because remembering just how far we've come because of what Jesus did, because of what Jesus did, I hope to God changes the trajectory of what's important in our lives. And I know for me it has. That's why I'm so passionate about not building a church full of churchy people, but about building a church that reaches out to other people that were where I was back in my past. And without Jesus, would still be there. And without Jesus, could easily go back there again because some of that stuff was fun. And look at me, all religious faces. Some of the things you've done in your life that God wasn't too happy about, you had a pretty bloody good time with at, that, at that moment as well. Goodness gracious me. Oh, Mark, how dare you do things that you enjoyed? Really? So it's critical that we remember, but in remembering, and I've just given you a bit of a, a, bit of a look behind the curtain, that's what, that's what drives me, and it, it's a bit of a clue because Paul actually continues on with this theme. Paul said in the same letter, the very next uh, paragraph, now God, now God, you understand, we, Paul wrote to those guys and his re, re, same rules apply. Remember where you came from? Then remember what happened because of what God did? Okay, there's a journey, you understand? This is our story. Remember what God did. You couldn't do it yourself. He did. He gets all the credit. And then he goes on to explain what our current reality is, what our current identity, what true north looks like now when we've chosen to make him our Lord and our Savior. Now, now God, now God, you know, at last, Paul's saying, finally, thankfully, God has us where he wants us. <laughs> with all that, this is beautiful, I love this language, with all the time in, the, in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. Now, saving, just let me, is a, is a kind of a churchy word, which is the idea that, that we were helpless, lost, and God saved us. So whatever someone says to you, you know, save, it's like, what? Yeah, that's the picture. We were far from God. He reached down. He lifted us up, set us into a new place. Saving was all his idea and all his work, all we do is trust him enough to let him do it. Good challenge right there. And here's a good reminder. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. 
No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. Now, wrap your head around this. We are God's masterpiece. Who do you think you are? Is the question we're asking this month. Last week we said we're ambassadors. This week, there it is right there. We are God's masterpiece. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he's gotten ready for us to do. Work we'd better be doing. There's another question. So there's this debate that rages, and I don't want to get into some sort of uh, you know, theological think tank session here, but there's a big debate that rages about what part our own works play out in our journey. Okay? Now, the Catholic Church, and I grew up in the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church, and I'm not poo-pooing them, okay? this is not about who's right or who's wrong. I'm just saying there is a slightly different perspective on this. All right? The Catholic Church will say that we are saved by faith, and by our good works, okay? That's what they say. Now, that's fine, you know, Pope's resigning. I'm not gonna comment on that either. Three elections this year, big year, state, federal, and papal. (sighs) Whatever shall I vote? Big year, big year. But Paul, this is the position we take, okay? I'm just saying there is a difference. I'm not gonna get into the debate, but this is the position that we take. We take the position that Paul just outlined, that we're not actually saved by our own works, Because Paul said and reminded us, if we thought we did the work ourselves, if we thought somehow we, you know, that we would go around bragging about it, okay? But then that debate goes into another kind of realm where the debate is, well, what what part do our works play in our journey, therefore? And I'm going to keep it real simple. And this is... (laughs) how I put it, we're not saved by our own works, but because of what God did for us, our response is to then get about doing his good works, okay? That's as simple. If you ever go to Bible college and they give, ask you this in an exam, just write that one line down. Mark Pomery said, <laughs> quoting Paul when he wrote to the church in Ephesus, that we're not saved by our good works, because if we did, we'd brag about it and take all the credit, Comma, and because of that, what Jesus did, we are compelled to do his good works. Paul said, work we'd better be doing. If you f- tell me you're following Jesus and you're unemployed in the kingdom, contradiction. So this is a statement. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this little statement. We are God's masterpiece created for the master's purpose. We are God's masterpiece created for the master's purpose. I wanna take us back to grade school here and I want, you to, I want you to actually say this after me. I want you to say it because this is actually not an easy concept for some of you to get your head and your heart around. And I want you to say it this morning as a declaration of faith because some of what God calls us to do is to speak the things that are not as if they were, and say, in faith, God, I want to bridge up. In faith, God, I want to take those steps. This is a confession. I'm going to actually believe you 
and what you say I am, even though I'm not there yet in understanding it, even though I'm not there yet in believing it. Whether we believe it or not, if God says it, it's true. Our believing doesn't actually nullify it, you understand? But if there's a gap, we need to bridge up. So this is what I want. I want you to say this statement, this declaration after me. I am God's masterpiece. Created for the master's purpose. One more time. I am God's masterpiece. Created for the master's purpose. So those of you that have kids in our Elevate Kids, when they come out, you can ask them what did they learn. And when they ask you what you learned, you can say to them, kids, I am God's masterpiece created for the master's purpose. And listen, Johnny, Sonny, Sally, Susie, Bill, No one calls their kids Bill anymore. So are you. (laughs) But I recognize there's some obstacles. You know, there's some obstacles to us actually bridging up to to recognizing that we're God's masterpiece and ultimately doing his purpose. The first obstacle is, is some of us don't even think we're God's masterpiece. And we spend a lot of time thinking about how we don't think we're God's masterpiece. Our our default, our compass kind of swings around to the, the flaws the inadequacies, that's why I asked at the beginning, the insecurities, we focus on that list. We, we talk about two, the word two, T-O-O, and then we, and we have a blank and we fill it out. I'm two this, two that. It's not, it's, it's, it's not the good stuff. You know, you don't know, oh, it's real, life sucks, I'm too rich. Oh, life sucks, I'm too tall. Oh, life sucks, I'm, I'm too handsome. You know, we, 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 don't, we don't hear that, and that's okay. But, but we don't tend to think those things either. We walk around saying the opposite stuff. I'm too short, I'm too fat, I'm too bald, I'm too old, I'm too, you know, stupid, whatever. And we have the list, right? And it's the list that prevents us from getting the reality that we're God's masterpiece. We, we, have, another, we have another list, the not something enough. Fill in the blank there, you know? I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. We have this list. And it's important to understand the the words to, you know, to say I'm to something and not something enough, they're relative concepts. And they're relative concepts typically and mostly when we use them, they're relative to other people. When we say to something, we, 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 we have this funny thing that we do which is kind of weird. It's, it's torturous. It's, it's a form of self-torture, right? We, we look at other people who have more of something and we say that we're not something enough or, or they've got less of something in us, you know, kilos or, you know, what, we, we, go, we, you know we focus on that stuff. And, and, and God says, you know what? You're my masterpiece. This comparison game is destructive. This comparison game is limiting, this comparison game will prevent us from moving beyond from this revelation that we're God's masterpiece into then doing his purpose. Guys, we need to understand that we are a masterpiece. I mean, in fact, to say to the one who created us, I was saying to the team members this morning, you know, God says, I am the potter, you are the clay. So once he's finished creating us, for us to say, oh, yeah, uh, you know, I'll give you about a six out of 10 for that one, God. You know, if it was me, I would have done the handle differently or a little bit less around the bottom area or whatever on, on the potter. Can you understand how insulting that must be to God? He said, no, no. 
And I'm not just talking about physical things either. It's in everything that we think that we're inadequate. God, no, you're, you're exactly how I created you to be. Now, it's not to say we can't improve with our team leaders. I coach our team leaders in their leadership and life journey. And I say to them, I don't want you to be exactly what Louis said this morning. I don't want you to be anything other than who God created you to be. But the part I'll play is to help you become a better version of yourself. So God's always got more, but it's more of who he's created us to be, right? It's not for us to become like somebody else. I think of myself, I was joking about it before with, you know, reference to to putting in trees. Hey, mate, even the guy in the castle knew how to dig a hole. I can dig a hole, all right? So next Saturday or around that time, Dave, don't really know when, Mark will have dug a hole. Um, or helped Baden dig a hole, actually. <laughs> or bought the coffee over while Baden was digging all the holes. I don't know. Anyway, look. <laughs> yeah, we ain't taking bets. There's no money down on no one. Um, when, I, when I was in my late teens, I was part of a, a youth uh, ministry, youth program, where the musicians and the singers kind of got a lot of the spotlight. You know, they're up the front and they were doing their thing and whatever. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm thinking, oh, that, yeah, I mean, everyone wants to be a rock star for a period in their life, right? I mean, really? No? Yeah? Anyway, I did. So, uh, you know, and uh, now I can't sing a note. I mean, I can. It's just never the same note as, as the musicians are singing, right? We're just, you know. God says, you know, to make a joyful noise. I haven't got there yet, okay? I mean, God's like, oh, my God, they're still going down to elevate <laughs> Keep the earplugs in, boys. Mark Pomery's still banging away. I can't, I used to want to sing. And I, I literally, I literally used to cry. I didn't cry, I didn't cry. I mean, God has somehow taken my tear ducts away since then. But at that time in my life, I cried a lot. And I cried over the fact that I couldn't sing. And I wanted to sing. And I started taking guitar lessons. And I started trying to sing. And, 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 and I thought if I, if I tried louder, that'll help. That didn't help anybody. That was just terrible and and when I was 26 years old um, I I was in a a particular environment where I where I studied the spiritual gifts there's 28 spiritual gifts listed in the the new part of the Bible and I studied them and at the end I took a sort of an assessment of those spiritual gifts and of the 28 on, on God's list I found that I had three only three, and, and not the other 25. And uh, you know what? That, that was the most liberating thing because thankfully I chose to look at the three I had and, and not worry about the 25 I didn't have and understand other people had some of those 25 and my job was to help them become a better version of themselves and my job was to work on me becoming a better version of the masterpiece that God has created me to be so that I could do the master's purpose. And it's true for you as well. I don't have a fourth. On the list of 28, I have three. Not four, three. No problem. It's great. I can get so focused then. I have to worry about being good at most of them. And uh, the same is true for you guys. It's not focus on the 25, focus on the three. Focus on the things that God's created you perfectly 
to be and therefore to do. Many of us don't. We don't think of ourselves as a masterpiece. And, and then the second thing that we do wrong is we don't understand our purpose. Because it's a two-step process here. It's, it's on the one hand, we have to understand that we are a masterpiece. If we don't understand that, we're never gonna get into the place of doing the master's purpose. But even when we understand that we're a masterpiece, and particularly when we understand that we're a masterpiece, the most important thing is for us to really get about then figuring out what's the master's purpose. Uh, one of our favorite places to go is uh, down south in the Margaret River region. Louie and I love it down there. I'm sure many of you guys do too. It's a jewel of the West Australian global crown. And uh, there's a winery down there called Haps Winery. And um, maybe some of you have been there. And Haps Winery, as well as uh, doing some really nice wines, have a, a pottery, uh, art gallery pottery uh, area. And they do the pottery on site. It's kind of something that they do. And um, I don't really have any uh, personal experience in pottery, okay? I don't even really own things that are made with clay. But um, I like to go in there because I, I, I appreciate good craftsmanship, okay? I can't do it, but I appreciate it because that's what God's called someone else to do. And if they're doing it well, I say, flipping bravo. Problem is, when I'm in there to look around and say bravo, I don't understand what half of the stuff is. I mean, I know what a jug is, and, and most of the times I can figure out what a platter is. But, but, but you know, these uh, artistic types sometimes kind of just, you know, go off somewhere, and they create something for creativity's sake. And uh, so me, I go in there, and I, and I think, And you know, I look at this masterpiece and I can't figure out what it does. And so I keep looking at it and I keep touching it and I keep feeling it. And, and, and you know what? I never understand what it does by looking and asking the masterpiece. The only way I'm gonna know what the purpose of the masterpiece is is when I go to the guy that made it and say, hey, mate, what in the world is that? And one of the problems we have when trying to find our purpose, we do this self-talk. You know, we bought the book, we've been to the workshop, self-talk, self-talk. If you think you can, you can. Rubbish, I can't sing. No amount of thinking I can is gonna change that. It's, if, if you think you can, you can. Bull dust. If God hasn't created you for it, you can't. But, but you're not meant to. That's the liberating thing. Don't worry about it. That's why God designed the front row so I could stand there with nobody in front of me. If you want, we can have a support club. Can't sing as anonymous down the front every Sunday. It's fine. The actual answer in finding our purpose isn't asking the masterpiece. It's asking the master who created the masterpiece, what's your purpose for me? There's a book that I highly recommend called The Bible. If you haven't read it, 
it's, it's a good book. I mean, it's, it's often called the good book. But even if it wasn't the good book, it's still a good book. It's a pretty reason, good reason it's the number one best-selling non-fiction book of all time. It's pretty good, even just to read. I mean, there's a couple of bits that are a bit dodgy, but, you know. Ask me later, I'll tell you where they are. You can... But uh, the rest of it is pretty good. If we think we can understand the master's purpose for our lives and yet never read our Bible, never pray, the only time we sort of connect with God is one hour on a Sunday and the other 155s, we just go about doing our thing. I'm the guy that needs to tell you, it's not gonna work. You're not gonna find the master's purpose. You're just not. Just not. The guy that creates the masterpiece, the guy, he's doing pottery a lot of hours of his day. And the more he does it, the better he gets. If you don't know what God's purpose is for your life, go to God. Don't ask me, I don't know. Go to God and get about that because that's why we're here. That's who we are. That's true north. That's our true identity. We're his masterpiece created to do the master's purpose. You know, last thing I just wanna ask you guys this morning is some of you, I talked about this picture of you, life being in this pit, this, this, this place where you're, you're far from God, you're disconnected from Him. Some of you are there right now. You know, great that I've shared the story about how God picked me up and, and set me in a new place and saved me from being separated from Him. And many of you, God's done that for you. you know, Paul wrote, said it's a free gift. You've taken that gift, many of you, but not all of you. I would guess, in a, in a group this size. So we wanna give you that opportunity right now. It's a gift from God. And if you want that gift, if you say, you know what, I want God to rescue me, I want God to save me, I want him to establish me in a relationship with him, I want you to acknowledge that that's what you want today in a moment, just by putting your hand up and when I see your hand, you can put it down. You're just saying, yeah, God, I, I, <laughs> I need saving. I, I, I'm there, that's my life. I need that. Good on you, sweetheart. You can put it down. Good on you, sweetheart. You can put it down. Who else? That's you. You've tried everything. You've tried religion and you've tried self-help books and you've tried just crawling up. You can't crawl out of mud on your own. You need someone to rescue you. Who else? That's your story. God says, I got a gift. (laughs) I got a gift. If you want that gift, reach out. I'm gonna grab your hand and... I'm gonna establish, I'm gonna elevate your life, establish you in a new place, a better place, my place, because it's from that place that you can get about doing my purpose, finding the very reason you were put on this earth. But you won't get to there if you don't get out of there. But God does the saving. Who else? Just put your hand up real quickly and you can put it down and then we're gonna pray. Good on you, lads. Who else? I don't wanna miss anybody. Great. So we're gonna pray, let's pray. Like we did earlier, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. I want you to repeat these words after me. Pray them with passion. Even if you've prayed this type of prayer a thousand times, let this be a reminder to you of what God's done. But those of you that raised your hand this morning, you pray this knowing that God has promised a free gift. You've reached up to take a hold of it. This is it, this is the deal. And from here, he's got a great, great purpose for you. Say these words after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to earth and saving me for dying in my place 
for forgiving me of my sins, for cleansing me of my past. I commit today to place my trust in you, to place my life in your hands. And I trust that I, as I continue to follow you, you will lead me towards your purpose for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, how about we celebrate with those four people? Brilliant. Um, great. Take this stuff really seriously. Don't beat yourself, beat yourself up over it. That's not the point. But take it seriously. Do you understand? And, uh, and no kidding, guys. You know, I've been preparing this message this week and, and I'm thinking, you know, there's a lot of hurting people that would just, would need to know that they're God's masterpiece because they spend countless waking hours going through the list of insecurities, inadequacies, and, and, you, and, and, and that's some of you. There's freedom in this revelation. There's liberty in this revelation that you're God's masterpiece. It's not meant to be burdensome. You understand? But take it seriously. It's not a lollipop either. You know, the doctor sticks you with a 50 foot long needle and then gives you a lollipop. It's not a lollipop either. It's serious enough to also say, hey, there's work that we're better be doing. And no unemployment in the kingdom of God. It doesn't work that way. I only got three gifts. You've got some of the other 25. Together, we're meant to be used by God. Elevate church to see his purposes done in our city and beyond. So there you go.